afternoon. Good evening. You're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tuzman, and in the spirit of a show we did a few weeks ago, and by popular demand, we're talking again about relationships. We're talking about the tough stuff that sometimes gets that uh, kind of pop culture attention in the you know magazines at the checkout at your local supermarket where you look at J-Lo and Ben Affleck and uh, other Lisa Benet, Jason Momoa, et cetera. What am I talking about here? Getting back together with an ex, returning to an old flame. But beyond the pop culture, romantic, kind of disnified stories of finding love again, J-Lo and Ben Affleck were apart for 17 years, something like that, before they got back together. Is it healthy in general? Often it's not rational. I'm going to get to the numbers in a moment as to the percentage of couples that get back together. I think it's going to surprise you. But I think we all know from previous experience that it can also be pathological. It can be part of a, an unhealthy pattern for ourselves or others, and often what is familiar is not always the right thing for us. Tough questions on the table. As always, we're going to try to dissect it as authentically as we can, and I'm really grateful to our first guest who's joined us being willing to talk about her own complicated personal story of getting back together with her ex. So welcome. To the finding my way back to you version of Equal Footing. So, using a pseudonym, let me introduce Michelle Kennedy. And Michelle, I'm going to do my best to make sure I don't use your real name here in the show. <laughs> I really appreciate you being on, being willing uh, to be so open on this difficult subject. Michelle is a professor of communication at a university that will remain unnamed, where she's been a full-time faculty member for over 10 years. She has a master's in organizational and leadership communication and also a bachelor's in radio and television production. Ah, Michelle, always nervous when we have a, a radio professional on the air. I might get displaced. <laughs> Prior to becoming a college professor, Michelle was on-air talent for nearly a decade in radio, and I'm not going to name the call signs or the television station, but on a on a local news station, uh, just to you know retain her her anonymity here. Michelle has three children. She lives somewhere in the state of New York, and to tonight's subject, Michelle's been married for was married, I should say, for ten years. She has these three children with her ex-husband. After years of demanding schedules with work and raising the children, they started having problems and they were growing apart. Michelle then met someone new. She left her marriage and then she began a seven-year relationship that ultimately ended in heartbreak. I'm not going to tell you more. We're going to see what happened with that other relationship in a moment. Michelle, welcome to Equal Footing. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for that warm welcome. I appreciate that. Oh, you do have a nice radio voice. <laughs> Michelle, <laughs> be, before we introduce our other guest, who's going to be listening intently, uh, I'd like you to explain a little bit more to our audience. So you were you're married for 10 years. You then yeah. almost immediately after, right as you're breaking up, as I understand it, you begin another relationship that goes seven years and then you break up there. Uh, what's going on now? That was a couple years ago, right? Yeah. They broke was up with two the, years ago. The mm-hmm. long really. And, uh, don't want to, you know, ruin the punchline, but you're, you're now back together with that person. Yes, we are um, talking again and taking things very slowly, but I would say that, yes, we are back together and and seeing where we can take it, seeing, um, you know, where this goes, but being very cautious at the same time and very careful um, and taking things very slowly right now. So you had these two consecutive long-term relationships that amalgamated to 17 years, then you you end that second relationship, that a second relationship ends, and you date a little bit in between, or have you been alone the last couple of years? Yes. No, I did date someone else um, for a year and a half. So um, after that relationship ended, I started dating six months later and then um, got into a new relationship. It lasted about a year and a half, and now that ended uh, several months ago. And um, when that ended, my ex and I had gotten back in touch and started talking. And then, yeah, we are now back together. Okay. Now, I hope you don't mind me diving into the difficult stuff here. That second relationship, the second major relationship in your life, the person you're now back together with, had struggles with uh, alcohol, and, and mm-hmm. as I understand it, some abuse as well. Are you willing to talk about that a little bit? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so after I, when I first met him, um, instantly we had this very deep connection, um, almost a very soulful connection. And we felt, you know, very strongly for each other. And we had some of the highest highs and also some of the lowest lows. And I believe that initially our relationship started with many problems and challenges um, because I was leaving my marriage and um, starting that relationship immediately, like it overlapped. Um, My ex-husband hated him and didn't want him around the children. That forced me to keep that part of my life separate. I didn't really involve him with my children. And then he also had other problems um, with alcohol and then, you know, I think also because of his age, he was in his late 20s at the time, just with alcohol, uh, with lying and, and cheating, some infidelity, and then also some uh, physical abuse. Wow. And do you feel now in this second version of the relationship, has he become a second version? Do you see changes or to some extent are you kind of trading back into something you know that has significant issues? So far, I do see some changes. And, um, you know, I think what I'm seeing now is that maybe just in our time apart that he realized how he felt about me and that maybe he wasn't finding that those same feelings elsewhere. And I think I kind of felt the same 
with dating um, as well, that we still have that strong love for each other. Um, His problem with alcohol, I do see, um, still, I still see that, you know, exists. So I have concerns about that. Um, As far as the abuse, I I don't know if that's something I, you know, I hope and pray that that would never happen again, but I don't know about that. Hmm. Okay. I promise to give some of the numbers. You ready for this, guys? There's, there's mul- there are multiple research sources. And as always, we quote our research. So I'll get into that a little bit in the show. We'll put them in the show notes. Uh, there's a, a pretty comprehensive psychology today study. Probably the most comprehensive study was done actually in Germany at the German family panel over course of over a decade with uh, two researchers, Johnson and Franz Neier that went uh, through this issue in over with over 12,000 participants over a long period of time. That was published in the journal of family psychology, et cetera. We'll put more uh, research in the show notes. Here's what the research shows as high as 50%, between 40 and 50% of couples that have a meaningful relationship get back together in one way or another. Now, how is that defined? Uh, self-identified as getting back into a relationship or getting into a significant sexual relationship, not always a committed monogamous romantic relationship as it was before, but having sex with an ex is also quite common. Now, of those uh, couples, uh, about 15 or about a third, so now you're talking about 15% total, end up staying together the second time and get never get separated or never get separated, at least in the arc of, of the, of the studies that that was pretty interesting uh, to some degree. If you look at the overall stats of the likelihood of divorce in the United States or separation is even higher in a meaningful relationship that actually runs uh, around the same level or better. In other words, if you get back together with an ex, you have a almost equal chances at working out as the first time uh, in a relationship. Now the, reasons, though, that people report going back into relationships. And I want to criticize you here, Michelle. It's a setup for our other Ooh. guest here. Um, that gets a little bit complicated. So I'm going to, I'm going to list a few of these that, that come out in the psychological research. And Michelle, maybe you, you can reflect on this and then mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get our, uh, other guest on, on here to the platform and, and get her view as well. Okay. So. This is from uh, research published in Psychology Today by a researcher named Daly in 2011, broadly quoted research. There are uh, seven major reported reasons why people get back together with an ex. Number one is familiarity. The devil you know, right? Number two is loneliness. Any companionship? Number three, and I thought this was very interesting. These are not necessarily in order of importance. Number three is insight that the one that they broke up with is actually the one, but they didn't know it when they were with them. Number four is other opportunities are not as good. In other words, the X is still better than other partners that have come after. The next one is regret. Often this happens where there's a sudden breakup related to infidelity or some other discovery where there wasn't enough time to process or regret the wrong decision was made. And the last one uh, so I guess I should give a little bit of a, a teaser alert because it's, it's, it's one of the most common reasons is for the partner's sake that people feel bad that the person that they often have left is despondent, lonely, 
so they get back together for the other person's sake. All right. Now, you got those, Michelle? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's introduce our other guest. And for full disclosure, this is someone who's behind the scenes in almost every Equal Footing show. But for the second time ever, she's now going to get in front of the mic. Clinical psychologist. This is Leah Masniku. She did her BA in clinical psychology at the University of Lyon in France and her master's in clinical mental health at LIU. And her focus is on relationship healing, alternative relationship structures as well. Probably topic for another show, psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. Maybe that'll weave its way in. Leah is on with us tonight exploring this very personal topic, both in from a therapeutic perspective and in her personal life. Leah, welcome back on Equal Footing in front of the mic. Thank you for the warm welcome. <laughs> Did you hear those those seven reported main reasons why people get back together with exes? I did, and there's one that particularly stuck with me um, when you mentioned people discovering that uh, you know there's no there's no better partner than uh, than um, like there's you know there's a saying that there's uh, other fish in the sea, et cetera. We we live in a culture of uh, there's always more. There's always uh, other people. There's uh, it's this culture of replacement. And really, we don't work at relationships so much because uh, everything is available to us from social media to um, Internet dating. And, and we always have this uh, notion that um, there's other people out there. And sometimes we're not as present in our relationships as we should be, which then leads to uh, you know issues in communication, in connection, in intimacy, which can grow people apart. And um, in a journey of self-discovery, maybe if you take a break from the relationship, you discover that actually you were very happy um, and to get back. Of course, this is a very positive case yeah. of uh, inner journey. Not every single case is let, let me try to create the the two. I'm going to be a little rough cut here on the 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 two advocacy role or advocacy points of view that I have seen in our in our pregame. Yeah, research. I definitely yeah there's, definitely hold two opinions. There's there's a, a, a significant school that uh, of thought that the returning to an old relationship is most likely not something that's going to be healthy, irrespective. I mean, Michelle talked about the fact that her partner she's with again now was abusive in a past relationship, really struggled with, with, um, with, with alcohol, overuse, uh, et cetera. But in general, not, not without exception, but in general, um, going backwards in life isn't usually healthy. Uh, if you broke up the first time, there's a good reason for it, uh, et, et cetera. Then there's another body of thought that goes a little bit more along the lines of what you just said, that the, the, it's really about our own evolution and that having distance from a previous relationship, you learn a lot about the things that you maybe didn't do right, things that you didn't um, really appreciate in the other partner. And that if you do then make the conscious decision to go back, you've got a really good chance of success because you know what you're getting into and you've done your own internal processing. Now, first of all, and we're going to need to take our first break in a sec, but from a from a clinical and for a therapeutic perspective, do you agree that those are that we can kind of put those on the table as the you know two two major uh, points of advocacy on this issue? 
Yes, I would completely agree, and that's why I led with the second because uh, it's a, a less commonly held position and something that also deserves airtime. But yes, I would agree that those are the two main uh, schools of thought. Michelle, I wasn't going to let you off the hot seat for long. <laughs> if you if you you hear those two points, one is you know it's healthy. You've learned, you've grown, you now appreciate in the rearview mirror more the person that you were previously with. The other is. What are you doing? You're you're going backwards, going back into, into a relationship that wasn't healthy in the first place, that caused you pain. You know that it's it's not. Which do you, if you're really honest with yourself right now, and you're not censoring at all or worrying about you're under a pseudonym here in the show, which which bucket do you think you're in right now? You know, I really see and understand both. Um. I think for me, I do feel that I've changed myself in the past two years. I don't know how much he has changed, but I know that I have. And I'm trusting my own, you know, like I'm trusting myself on this one and and my own knowingness of, you know, what I've learned and how I've grown and changed and that, you know, I wouldn't tolerate any of that past behavior anymore, that I would be willing to walk away and let that go. So for me, I think the the willingness to give this another shot and see, you know, to me is worth it because I still love him, you know, and that's kind of where I'm at. I don't know if that answers the question. I kind no, of I kind of figure that'd be the bucket you're in. You're you're obviously voting with your yeah. Feet. You know, we already got. I haven't even given out the the text and and call in numbers, uh, but there this must be a guest or a a listener. It's uh, listened to us before, and I love it. Uh, thank you to, to this listener, Ellie, for writing this in because this does tie into, we don't have a rabbi on tonight. We're not tech talking here necessarily about Chumash or Jewish wisdom per se. I'll do my humble best in that regard. But this listener helps out by saying that, that in Judaism, we believe in tikkun olam, that this is the healing of the world, that the world has been broken into pieces. All this chaos, all this discord, our job, each one of our job, is to try to put those pieces back together again, to make things whole again, whether we're in pieces or our partners in pieces. That's what relationships are about. That's the Jewish way. Hmm. Ellie, beautiful. Let's see if others agree or disagree. You can call in to Equal Footing and talk about getting back together with your ex have you done it? I bet you a lot of people don't admit even to their family and friends that they've done it and they have. One of the more interesting stats we found is that 55, 53% of, uh, that's false precision, isn't it? Of, of people go back to an ex at least for a sexual relationship at some point. Uh, so what's the number? Call in 718-303-9090. That's 718 9090. You can be anonymous like Michelle is being tonight, or you can say your name. And if you want to text in or WhatsApp in a question or comment to Michelle Kennedy under pseudonym, who's an associate professor talking from lived experience about the cycle of getting back together with an ex and Leah Mazniku is a clinical psychologist focuses on relationship issues, text or WhatsApp a question or comment to 917-428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. We'll be right back. I want to hold you when I'm not supposed to, when I'm lying close to someone else. You're stuck in my head and I can get you out of it. If I 
Equal Footing is brought to you in part by DocuVax. You've probably heard me talk about DocuVax before. It's a really easy to use locker on your digital locker on your smartphone for keeping all your medical data. Often we have our test results, our vaccine schedules, or uh, blood uh, type information sitting in a lot of different places and files and computers and phones and physical files. Get it all into one place. Your medical files do not belong to your insurance company. They don't belong to the government for sure, and not even your primary care doctor. You should have control of them. So when you switch a care provider or an insurance company or a job, you have all of it at your fingertips. You know, I am a pet owner, and I get reminders of when I need to get uh, my dog, dogs now, just got a new pup, uh, vaccines. But I don't get a reminder for myself when I need to do that. If you sign up for DocuVax, you get those reminders. You also get reminders not only of vaccines, but for preventative screenings like colorectal and best breast cancer exams, etc. So sign up. It's super inexpensive. It's $6.99 per month. A year's worth of subscription to DocuVax, you'd save that just by getting a reference to a specialist without having to go through a primary care provider. And why is that? Because if you're a subscriber to DocuVax, that's D-O-C-U-V-A-X, you get on-call nurses and doctors for you 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. That's included in the $7 per month. You can also call if you want to sign up. I should tell you how to sign up. Number one, go to the app. Open your app store on your iPhone or Android device. Go to DocuVax. It's just D-O-C-U-V-A-X. Easy to sign up. You can also go to DocuVax.com, and you can call if you want. And if you call, you can get group discounts if you mention you heard about DocuVax on equal footing. That's 833-859-1933. Again, the number to call is 833-859-1933. Put an end to worrying if you or someone you care about is up to date on a particular vaccine, blood test, or important preventative screening. Take control of your medical file and sign up. At DocuVax. I've been caught, but I'm keeping on, keeping on I've been told. All right, we are back with Leah Mazniku, clinical psychologist, and Michelle Kennedy, who's an associate professor and a person who is back with her ex. And we are talking about getting back together with people we've been together before. Leah. What do you think about Ellie's comment there right before the break on Tikkun Olam? You think it's always our duty to try to, if we've left someone, to try to repair it and go back? <laughs> oh, my clinic, my cynical side would say no. I know it's a beautiful Jewish value, but from a professional perspective, I would uh, say that you really do case by case. You know, there's instances where there's pathology involved, there's attachment issues, there's abuse, um, but we always strive to live in a, in a better world and do our best. So I would agree and disagree at the same time, which is very Jewish of me. <laughs> now, there are there's a substantial amount of literature out there in the therapeutic community that says one of the main reasons to not even consider going backwards and getting back to together with an ex is you're blocking the channel. You're kind of living in the past and not really taking those lessons and being open to the new person that could show up and the better person, I guess, for you. 
Michelle, do you, do you feel at all, if you're really honest, you know, we're not, we're not using your real name here in the show. Uh, do you feel like you're blocking the channel to some degree and being with your current partner? Um, you know, I question that I have, I have, I do have those thoughts, um, and wonder, I guess, if, if there is, uh, something else or something even greater or something even better. Um, I, you know, I, I do think that, but I, I don't know. I, I struggle with that, I guess, a little bit. Um, it's hard for me because I do know that I, um, am in love and, you know, that hasn't changed after all these years. So because of that, I'm like, okay, this must be for a reason. You know, I still feel the same way, but, um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's real. Leah, we have a, a listener who didn't explicitly give me permission to say his name. So I'm going to say it anonymously, um, mm-hmm. that, uh, he says, and I edit a little bit. Um, I feel that to different degrees, People that go through this cycle of going back to an ex need, in caps, instability uh, because it brings strong emotions and also peaks in happiness and sadness. And this this idea that we kind of thrive off of chaos or th- the, the whole cycle of breaking up and getting back together again, I, I, I admit I've, I've been with people in my life that I think have that. I hope I don't. It, does that resonate with you in, from a therapeutic perspective and maybe even from a personal perspective, if you don't mind sharing? Definitely from a professional perspective, it, that is the main thing that resonates is that people, uh, as ironic as it is, thrive in the chaos of what is familiar. So all the emotional ups and downs, uh, the, the satisfaction, the, the projection, um, they all uh, kind of have this effect of, of what's familiar, what's known, and that is, you know, that is safe. For some people, and that's what I meant earlier by different attachment styles and how we're organized in expressing and receiving intimacy. So, yeah, I would uh, I would agree that that is one of the main things that uh, we come across in practice is this feeling of how to rearrange um, our emotional needs in such a way that we don't thrive off of the chaos. Mm. So, Michelle, I, I, I I'm may come off as kind of criticizing your decision. I don't want to, I'm interrogating this in part because I think your story helps other people. I imagine are listening that are considering getting back together with an ex that are wondering if it's the right thing, et cetera. And I appreciate your vulnerability here. Do you think that in your case, was there a thrill in kind of the back and forth? Uh, you know, um, was there a thrill in that? Um, you know, I didn't enjoy any of that, to be honest. Um, the, the, um, the tumultuous part was extremely hard for me and difficult. I don't, I don't think so, but I can understand that, you know, for some people that may be the case. Um, I personally really struggled with that. I did not like that at all. Um, but I, and for me, I just was hanging on. I had such a strong grip onto the relationship, which is why I stayed through um, the abuse and the problems and um, all of those times. I just hung on as long as I could. Um, no matter what was happening, I was just going to stick it out and stay, 
because my feelings were that strong. Um, I do feel differently now that we've been apart for two years. Um, I don't have that strong, that unhealthy attachment to staying, you know, despite those, those problems. Mm. So, so I, I'm going to put this to both of you from, from two different angles. There's an interesting research paper put out by the American Psych- Psychological Association authors, Feister, Beck, Clark, et cetera, that go through young relationships, people that are college age to early thirties, again, over a long period of time and analyze satisfaction levels in relationships that are on again and off again versus relationships that kind of are a one, one and done. And it's interesting. Uh, this, I don't know if this resonates with, with you. Let's, let's start from a therapeutic perspective, Leia, that, Couples that have been in on and off, on again, off again relationships report higher level of positives in terms of intimacy and sex, but report higher levels of negatives relative to kind of one and done couples or couples that are still together in communication problems and the uncertainty of the relationship. I guess that last part makes sense to me because it would be like you've broken up before. You may be very conscious of the risk of that happening again. But I was, I was fascinated to see that on again, off again, couples have higher levels of self-reported satisfaction in their sex life and in emotional intimacy. What is that about Leah? Yeah, I am familiar with that study uh, of uh, like emerging adults and, and uh, analyzing their love life. It's quite interesting. I think it, I mean, I think it makes sense because if you are uh, in a relationship that you're you're not really sure what's going to happen, but you have this intimacy and you have these dramatic episodes of uh, reconciliation and breakup, um, the the sexual satisfaction might be greater um, for multiple reasons. One, you might experience other partners in the meantime, and you might feel more empowered. Mm. Uh, Two, you might feel validated by your partner that no matter matter what, they still come back to you and they still choose you, and that gives you a lot of validation um, in terms of your sexual self. So that might be another reason. Um, and also emerging adults um, might not be extremely sure of their identity, so these new, um, or sexual identity, so these new experiences might kind of be more exciting and fun uh, as opposed to one simple traditional relationship where communication skills are not, um, not the most evolved. Not for all, but generally speaking. Michelle, is the sex better the second time around? <laughs> um, I would say it is just as good. Um, we It was almost, it's like a glove. Um, like, we just fit together, and it was almost as if two years hadn't even passed. You know, it's just as good as it was. Um, mm. You know, yeah. I was thinking about, Leah, your, your comment just now, uh, Often people report kind of angry sex as being better. And I wonder if there's some, is, there's a correlate here of like, you know, if there's some riskiness to it or some, the rapprochement, I guess, that kind of coming back together must have a little, must have some sort of endorphin rush to it. Yeah. And it's also quite 
like an intimate experience, even though it's viewed as angry and explosive. Uh, just being able to express those emotions in a raw way without actually having to communicate those feelings is quite intimate for some people. And that's what I meant previously by lack of a uh, full grasp of communication tools because sex or, or angry sex, as you put it, is a way of communicating those pent-up feelings and it's a way of releasing um, whatever negative emotions you might have. So that might also be a reason why sex is better the other time, the second time around. I didn't plan to share this. I don't think I, I consciously registered it in preparing for tonight's show. But after my divorce now, a long time ago, 15 plus years ago, we got together once. We had sex once. We didn't get back together in a relationship after after the divorce. And that was probably the best sex we ever had. And I, I, I kind of hope that my ex-wife's not listening, but uh, it, I would imagine that she might report the same. This stuff is fascinating and complex. We are talking with clinical psychologist Leah Masniku, with Michelle Kennedy, who's an associate professor and former radio and TV on-air talent, who is hmm. on a pseudonym, <laughs> under a pseudonym tonight, talking about getting back together with exes. Is it healthy? Is it not? Is it likely to work? We'll be right back. Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. I've been caught. Right. I'm making my way back to you, babe, with a burning love inside. I think that's how good I was. I, this, since I sung that at the beginning, I was trying to remember the rest of the verse. I swear I did not look it up. So hopefully I got it right. We're talking to Michelle Kennedy under pseudonym, Leah Masniku, psychologist, about this interesting and common, like 50% of the time common, phenomenon of getting to back, getting back together with exes. Leah, I have another like psych stat question for you. One of the weirder pieces of data that came out of our pregame research was the fact that couples that broke up the first time because of cheating, which is a topic we covered a few weeks ago on this show, uh, are much more likely to get back together and likely to stay together than couples 
that break up for what one would see like more banal reasons like communication styles or handling of family finances and other types of things that are common reasons to break up. What, what, what is, what is that about when popular culture tells popular culture tells us the worst possible sin in a relationship is to cheat? That is quite interesting. I had not come across that stat before. Uh, this, uh, two reasons pop up. One, um, there might be a more solid and secure base in uh, in couples that cheat and are able to overcome the cheating. It might be a long-term relationship where someone seeks a new thrill and excitement and they don't necessarily want to leave their partner. And it also might be something that is culturally more accepted uh, nowadays. Um, betrayals are much more common and much less taboo than they were 10, 20 years ago. So it might be a combination of two fact of these two factors. Um, that, that would be those would be my two answers. Yeah, certainly relationship structures are evolving. We've also done a couple of episodes in the past on that. And I always find that fascinating. Michelle, if you don't mind me asking, or I'm going to ask anyway, you don't have to answer the relation, the ex that you left and now you're back together with again, did that relationship end in significant part because of cheating? No, I don't think it ended because of that. Um, that definitely existed in the relationship. There were um, episodes of cheating and I stayed, um, you know, when I discovered that there was cheating, I stayed in the relationship. Um, but ultimately it didn't end because of cheating. He met someone else. Um, I guess maybe he could have, he could have been cheating right at the very end, but then, you know, ultimately left um, me for another woman. So. I guess it could have been that, but he, you know, actually ended it. So. Gotcha. And, and we're going to take a caller in a second. We have some really juicy questions that have come in by text as well. I want to make sure to get to them. The, do you, do you agree with that, that analysis that I just, uh, that I just presented that it's, it's more likely to work? I guess you have a sample set of one here, but that it's, it's more likely to work if it was cheating that caused it to, to, or partially caused it to end the first time versus something about communication styles or other more banal reasons? That surprised me a little bit, but I think that, you know, hearing that, I think it, sounds at least more optimistic um, that, you know, that was something that played a part in my relationship that, you know, there, there's hope, I guess. Um, but I didn't ask I you, nor, nor, nor will I, who, who is, who is cheating. Okay. Let's take a caller here on line four. So I'm patiently waiting. Let's see if we've, hello, you're on the air. How are you? My friend. I am good. Is this Stan? You got to know it. Yes. I'm bracing myself. Don't, first of all, how are you? I haven't talked to you. I always, gotta, I always ask how you are. I think the last time you got off, you were, uh, you were shouting at me or the or guest. <laughs> That's all right. But uh, I'll make it very quick. I don't get this woman at all. She tolerates cheating. She tolerates abuse, uh, which there was abuse. He, she tolerates he was drunk. Now he's okay. Uh, it's things like. She'll settle for anything. I mean, it sounds like it. I mean, if she tolerates all of these things, then goes back. What does that say about her? It says she's either she she can't find anybody else because it's a, her soulmate. 
Mm. Give me a break here. Come yeah, on. That's, it's stay in the line, Stan. I, re, I as I, I have always, nothing I, personally. I don't. I know. I'm I know. Don't. I don't want to say. But come on here. And I'm going to say to Michelle, who's obviously here under a pseudonym, that sure. Stan has been on, uh, called into the show before, and I know from from previous that he hits it on. Uh, you know, ask a question directly, but there's it's not. It's no. It's not offensive personally. No, it's not. Not not right. But, Michelle, I, I, let me let me give you some color, Stan. And Michelle, I hope you don't mind uh, doing this. I, uh, I, I, Michelle, I, I know her. Uh, she is an accomplished, uh, beautiful, uh, together person with a tremendous amount going for her. And what does that? What does that have the to reason, do with the Well, the reason I'm saying that, the reason I'm saying that is, I think it makes. <laughs> what does that have to do with? Well, this is why I'm saying related. it, Stan. And this, I'm going to turn it. I'm obviously going to turn the the, the mic here, Michelle, sure, in a moment. Sure. But the reason I'm saying that is that sometimes it's easy. I know we're on radio. You don't you don't have the full sense sure. that you get I if you meet someone in person. Yeah. But sometimes in these situations, you think, oh, the person can't do better, or they're just you know repeating this pattern because they're 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 stuck in a world where that's their only option. I can tell you. Very objectively, that is definitely not the case here. There's a conscious choice. Michelle, what do you think about, about Stan's comment? I mean, you can understand how someone might look at it that way. By the way, I'm 69 sure. years old. I've never been, I'm not gonna lie. I've never been married. I'm not gonna, I just, and I've been in relationships and so forth. But they ended with truth and honesty. I'm leaving. I met somebody else or this or that. This situation is like uh, the other side of the coin, but go ahead. Yeah, so Michelle, Stan, you, you, I don't know if you want to repeat it. You know, you hear Stan's position. What's your view? Yeah, and thank you very much. I respect that, and I, uh, it's a fair assessment, and I, and I, I believe that you're probably not the only one um, thinking this at all, and you wouldn't be alone in that. Um, I do believe he is my soulmate, and I know that sounds like um, maybe I'm just a hopeless romantic in that in that way. I I can't. Um, I've loved people before, but I've never been in love and like this. So I think that's why I tolerated what I did um, throughout those years. I don't believe myself right now. I would tolerate that ever again. So you're like getting hit in the stomach. Is that basically it? It sounds like, well, in a way, that's what it is. I, 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 it sounds like if, if it happens again or he gets struck or he hits you, I don't know. Has there been physical violence in this relationship? There was in the past. Um, this, we've only just recently connected and, and gotten back together. Um, over the past month or so. So, well, that you know, I, I, I wish you well, whatever you do. But uh, if you have a chance, go into the bathroom and look in the mirror and look at yourself again and think this over one more time. I mean that. I mean, I hope you get happy, whatever you do. But please, you know, you, you've been through the, you've been through, you've been hit in the stomach a couple of times. I don't want to see you get hit in the stomach again. Yeah, it just sounds like you may just get that. Stan, I appreciate, I appreciate your call. Okay, uh, have a good night. Yeah. Michelle, I, let me, I would just interrupt before before we say anything because this is a classic example of uh, of a good intention coming across as something that's um, kind of shaming, and this is exactly why people uh, are in the same patterns they are because they feel like they can't um, they feel judged by other people. So I know the intentions are good, but we should just keep in mind for all of our listeners to be more empathetic and kind um with with people no matter what they're going through and you know if if we need to give tough love we will but just well, Mich- i think being yeah. the best 
That's a good point. Michelle, Stan brings up an, an issue that you yourself touched on a little bit in some of our pregame discussion. I, your friends and family, you, you worry also about judging you, right? You, have you not told some yes. of them about the relationship being on again? Yes, I haven't told all of my friends or family members yet. Um, my closest, my best friend um, knows and my mother. Uh, beyond that, I have not revealed this to anyone yet. So, And I know that their reaction will be the same, <laughs> you know, and mm. it's something well, I, I'm expecting. I hope you can, maybe you can, like, replay for them the audio that, that Leia just shared with us. Cause I agree. There should be no judgments. We each have our own journey. I see uh, a caller up on the board. Please be patient. We'll get to you right after the break. We have you on hold. Um, before we go to this break, I, I do. And that promise is the last time and a quote that, you know, everyone who listens a lot knows that I love stats, studies and so forth. So, um, Psych Central, which is a pretty cool, uh, website, psychcentral.com, quotes a lot of academic, uh, research in the psychotherapeutic space, talks about repeating relationships, what we're talking about here, getting back together with an ex. And, um, there's a, a pretty strong argument that often, not always, but often they're part of destructive patterns that we repeat, not only repeating something familiar that's not so helpful to us, but also patterns we learn as, as children, uh, that are about over, you know, coming trauma, um, and kind of the, the sense in general. And I suffer from this and be open with this with listeners. So I, I know this is real thinking that we deserve to suffer, thinking that we're not supposed to be in a perfect relationship. Uh, no relationships are perfect thinking that we're not supposed to have someone, you know, better or be in a better situation. And so, um, some of it has to do with self-esteem. Uh, we're going to take our, our, our break. We're going to get to this caller, but Leah, I was wondering if you could, Reflect on that and talk about this issue of loving ourselves, which seems to come, come up. And every time, every time we do a relationship show about loving others, we'll be right back on Equal Footing. Everybody loves the things you do, from the way you talk to the way you move. Mm. Beautiful song. I love the musical curation. Our producer does such an amazing job. And she happens to be on the show tonight. <laughs> okay. One of the things we do on Equal Footing is try to address issues that don't get addressed as much as they should in a raw, open, and honest way that we can learn from. And our sponsor that I'm going to talk about right now, Manhattan Medical, does the same thing. Manhattan Medical addresses erectile dysfunction. It is not something to be ashamed of. It is something that affects as high as two-thirds or even 70% of men in their lifetime. And it can impact the... Emotional health of a couple, not being able to have enjoyable sex, talk about it, get help. There are options out there that are not the expensive blue pills that many people cannot take because of side of, because of side effects and comorbidities. Manhattan Medical has a different approach. I want to say for our Jewish listeners, they do a lot of work in the community. Call Manhattan Medical. I'm going to give the number now and then at the end. The number is 888-ED-CURE-9. That's 888-ED-CURE-9 in numbers, 888-332-8739. Give that number again. I want to tell you how Manhattan Medical approaches ED. They use a new effective therapy called Gainswave. Been around in Europe for quite a while and in Canada, recently approved by the FDA in the United States. It is non-invasive. It is surgery free. It is painless. There are no side effects. You got to check this out. If you or your partner is dealing with ED, 
It works for all patients. Well, almost all patients have wonderful results, but there are no side effects or, or comorbidity issues. The therapy can help people even in their 80s. Okay, if you say that you heard about Manhattan Medical's ED therapy on equal footing, you get a free consultation. That's a $250 value. You do not get that if you just come in off the street. So mention you heard about it on equal footing, get your free consultation. You do not have to be in Manhattan. You do not have to be in the New York area. Anywhere in the United States, you can get Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy consultation and therapy near you, initially with a telehealth appointment by calling. I'm going to get the number one last time for Manhattan Medical's ED, erectile dysfunction therapy, 888-332-8739. I've been caught. Okay, Leah, before the break, I talked about this idea. Really, I'm going to summarize. We repeat what we don't repair. If we go through these childhood traumas, if we have issues of self-esteem, we tend to repeat broken relationships, repeat, you know, rinse and repeat. And that includes going back to exes when it isn't healthy. Uh, I was asserting that based on the research and also my own personal experience, a lot of this has to do with loving ourselves as much as we need to. What do you have to say about this? What I have to say about this is mention one of my favorite quotes on this particular topic uh, that goes along the lines of, we accept the love we think we deserve. Once again, we accept the love we think we deserve. If we think we deserve abuse and uh, lack of intimacy, then we will go for abuse and lack of intimacy and if we think we deserve better, we will not compromise and strive for better. And it all ultimately comes down to our relationship with ourselves, how we view ourselves and how we love ourselves. And I think the journey to self-love is, you know, it's not a destination. It's, it's an ongoing journey, and it's one of the most important things we need to learn uh, in order to be the, the best version of ourselves we can be and we deserve to be. We owe it to ourselves. But again, that's one of the most difficult things because we have to be, we have to feel like we deserve to be happy. Mm-hmm. And that's difficult for some people. And changing, changing old patterns is very difficult. Uh, we're going to talk, well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit more in a moment. Let's take, as I promised, a caller on, Line five. Caller, you're, you're on the air. Yes, hi. This is Rifki from Borough Park. Hi, Rifki. I usually don't call this show because I don't like your hushcuffers. I know. But this happens to be a very nice topic that you presented. But you know what, Rifki? If, I, still, yeah. I still like you, and I appreciate okay. that, uh, that you well, still listen. Well, I like you, too. I just don't like the hushcuffers. Well, I tell you, when <laughs> I am preparing for my special Shabbos Kodesh, I don't like hearing such bad hushcuffers, that's all. But this program is nice. But after Stan's call, I had to call for Michelle and tell her that it says in the Svarim that when a couple divorces, the Mizbeach cries because Hashem puts together the Zavukim before a baby is born. In Shemayim, they call out, who's going to marry who? And that is a person's zivik. And you did a wonderful thing 
by trying to give him another chance, and you're going to see that you're going to be very happy now because what you're bringing to this relationship is a maturity. You, both of you have gotten older, and there's a certain maturity that you're bringing to this relationship. I don't want to mention too much Stan, but you see, he's never been married. Do you know who's out there? You know, you said you were wondering who's out there. Other than Nebuch, the, pe- the men who lost their wives, the other people bring along a lot of baggage. And here in Borough Park, there's been a lot of divorces and remarriages. People mm-hmm. have remarried. There are people, there's some people who are unbelievably wealthy. They're on their second marriage. They have everything in the world to be happy about. Guess what? They're getting divorced. Why? Because whatever didn't work out between him and her in the first time surfaced again. Mm. But you went back to your Zivik, and you have a certain maturity that you both are going back with now. And I give you a bracha that you should be happy till 120 years. Oh, what a nice blessing. Thank you. Thank you, Rifki, for, for that call. And, uh, Michelle, what a, ni- what a nice antidote to, to Stan's call. And, and you, know, was- you know, you know what? It, Rifki is right that, that in, in the Orthodox Jewish community in particular, you have rates of even 25, 30% of remarriages. Even the general population is 15% approximately of people that get divorced get back together. Um, how did that feel to you? Because there's, there is, that's the other perspective that there's, there's growth and learning and, and real, and real wisdom in, in, in trying to uh, repair what might not have worked the first time. That was absolutely beautiful. And thank you so much. I, I loved that. It brought like a tear to my eye and just like happiness to my heart. I just, um, I really, it really spoke to me. And I really do feel that we've, um, matured and, I know that I have, and that's why I'm willing to do this. So I just, I just believe that um, that you know it's worth it's worth seeing seeing it through. Yeah, Amen. And I do. I, I I echo that blessing. No matter what happens in this relationship, and for our either non-Jewish or maybe not uh, Orthodox sisters, Hashkafa literally means outlook from a high position. Is a word that that uh, I don't have time to translate all the words that Rifki used, but Hashkafa is outlook from a high position. In, in colloquial terms, it's a Hebrew term for like worldview and guiding philosophy. And Rifki, if you're still listening, um, I try not to actually convey the. Uh, my hashkafa on this show. We're just, but we are open to lots of different hashkafa, lots of different uh, people's perspectives, and that's really what we're about. Trying to get across that each of each journey is one's own, and as Leah said earlier, uh, we should be loath to judge and quick to bless. So I do appreciate your, or I'm, I'm not saying exactly what you said, Leah, earlier, but you talked about not judging, and and uh, I do appreciate your candor. Rifki, as I do yours, Stan, if you're still listening, that's what we're trying to do. Get different perspectives. Okay. We have so many cool listener questions. We should have done two hours, um, on this. Uh, so just rapid fire. Uh, there's a listener, Becky in Boston, Michelle, who wants to know if this is your first time going back to an ex. She's got a follow up question too. Yeah. First time. First time. And <laughs> I think this is funny. Would you do it again? 
would I go back again? I guess or? I don't know if this is with the with the the one you're back again with, or maybe like your the ex no, before that. This, this would be it. This would be it for me. I'm willing to give this a shot, and then if this fails, then no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back. Okay, I am going to echo a listener's question to you, Leah, and wondering what your personal experience has been in this regard. At the outset of the show, we talked about you sharing some of your personal experience. <laughs> I was, I was hoping I would, I would avoid that answer or to answer that question. No, um, I, I will give a really uh, like a raw answer. I have gotten back with an ex in my university years uh, because I didn't um, I didn't you know appreciate myself as much as I do now I'm not saying that was an abusive relationship but certainly I knew it wasn't going to last and I still went for the thrill of it um, would I do it again definitely not <laughs> Um, I'm just at a different point in life, but never say never, you know, <laughs> never say never. <laughs> so you, you've not done, I know we, I don't want to get, we don't have too much time here, but not relationship wise, just what about just intimacy wise, sexually? Is that something that's been part of your pattern that, that shows up a lot more than people actually getting back in relationships as people having sexual intimacy with exes? Yeah. My, my, yeah, I've, I've had, I've experienced that. If that was your question. Is that in your therapeutic experience much more common? Do you agree with the, with the research out there? Oh, that the sexual intimacy is the main driving factor. Um, no, no, I think sex is a symptom, but not the cause. I think it's a really, it's what people kind of, uh, it's superficial. What people see is the, the, the main factor, but I don't think it is. Rifki, if you're still listening, I want to let you know that since you got off the line, I've had three different uh, listeners who have texted in messages supporting and agreeing with your perspective and, and, and also supporting you in this decision, Michelle. Michelle, I really appreciate your being open tonight. I got one last question for you because we've just got a, just literally like 40 seconds left here. Uh, if you were talking to yourself <laughs> as a loved one that was sure this was the wrong decision, and let's assume it was the wrong decision for you to get back together with your ex, what is the most effective thing that could that you would tell yourself to move away from this decision that you've made to come back, get back together with him? Um, what would I tell myself to not do it? Is that what, is that the question? Yeah, that would get yourself to not do it. Uh. Mm, that uh, maybe that there would need to be some evidence of true change that these past behaviors wouldn't resurface uh, uh, yes. if there was some evidence of that. That feels, that, that resonates. Well, I hope you get that evidence. I wish you all good luck and blessings in your path. Leah Masniku, thank you for joining us, getting in front of the mic. That was fun. Michelle Kennedy, under pseudonym, thanks for being on Equal Footing. Hope to have you back. Thank you. Yes, of course. Thank you so much. 